Thank you for joining the Move the Stairs podcast. I'm Diane Mulligan with my colleagues Mitch Jelniger and Jordan Sherman. You may be wondering, what does Move the Stairs mean? It's our philosophy, how we look at every challenge as an opportunity. When you move the stairs, you take the steps other people might not. Creating customer loyalty, nurturing great relationships with the media, and building a resilient CBD hemp and medical marijuana brand. Over the next 20 minutes or so, we'll talk with the brightest minds, the savviest business leaders, and reporters in the CBD space. You'll learn how brand protection PR can help your CBD, hemp, or medical marijuana business stand head and shoulders above your competitors. And you'll be on your way to making the most of any challenge. That's what we call Move the Stairs. Let's get started. Welcome to Move the Stairs, episode 78. We are recording on Monday, uh, Tuesday, March 7th. We're so happy you're joining us uh, for today's exciting conversation. Feels like a second Monday. (laughs) It just feels like Monday sometimes. That's right. We're excited today because we're going to be joined by Dr. Sybil Swift. She's the Chief Science Officer, Vice President of Regulatory Affairs. And also we're joined by Lance Blundell. He's CBD MD's General Counsel. And they're going to be talking about how the recent FDA decision is impacting a lot of companies out there. You know, guys, a few weeks ago, we talked about the FDA decision from an industry and an association point of view. But today we're going to look at this decision through another lens. And we're going to talk about how this decision, or maybe you call it a (laughs) non-decision, impacts uh, building customer loyalty from the company side. That's right. Yeah, lack of decision here, perhaps. Right. CBDMD was one of the first companies that the Wall Street Journal reached out to to talk about, to discuss this uh, decision or lack thereof. So we're going to hear how they handled that interview in our Insider Media Relations segment. And as always, we're going to talk with our guests uh, from CBDMD um, about what they're looking forward to in Q2, Q3, and Q4 about what this decision will mean for CBD companies that are trying to build a resilient CBD brand. So without further ado, let's get yes, started. Let's get, let's get started here. We have Dr. Sybil Swift. Thank you for uh, joining us. And Sybil, can, can we call you Sybil? Absolutely, please. All right, very good. And then Lance, uh, thank you for joining us on this Move the Stairs podcast. So we appreciate your time today. We know you're quite busy. We know that one of the biggest challenges for a CBD company this day and age is building customer loyalty. A lot of choices out there for consumers. This is at a time when there are so many companies, so many products to choose from. So we want to talk about building customer loyalty today. So I'm interested, um, Sybil and Lance, were you guys surprised at the FDA decision to kick the CBD regulation back to Congress? And Sybil, why don't we start with you? No. No, um, we're not. No, we're not surprised. I mean, I'm a resounding no. Exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, I looking at all of the nothing burger statements that the agency has put out over the last two and a half years. I think it's directly in line with what they have done and what they have said. They are. It almost seems as though they are resistant to do their job. And now with the kicking the can to Congress, it's telling someone else to do something that is within their wheelhouse and that they have the skill set for. So if nothing else, we were disappointed, frustrated, I think like a lot of people out there are, um, but no, we were not surprised. And Lance, what, what was your thought? Uh, so prior to that letter coming out or the press release, I guess is how they announced it. Uh, Sybil and I, 
sort of ran over scenarios, spoke with some insiders in Washington. Uh, I also, I can't say that we were surprised, although that, that decision out of the FDA was low on the list of things we thought they were going to do, given that they've spent so much time and so much money looking at this issue. Uh, the fact that we've tried to give them information that they claim you know, isn't available, but we've tried to give it to them, just not in the way they wanted it because the FDA is trying to control the narrative. And we were very concerned if, you know, we sort of followed their guidelines and suggestions uh, that, you know, for lack of a better word, they would bury the lead or, or they would misinterpret the data. We're aware of other companies who've engaged with the FDA, tried to present them data, uh, been told to do a particular thing that turned out to not be in their best interests. Uh, Sybil used to be at the agency, and so we have some inside information into how they think. All of that is is a way of saying, not unexpected, but also we we felt that they would do something uh, with all the information they have, and they did nothing, and and that's somewhat disappointing. And it's very disappointing, absolutely. Well, it, it presents a unique challenge too, because I mean, you and so many other companies are in the same boat. Um, but what CBDMD is doing, and what we kind of talked about in our pre-interview here, uh, is you're empowering your customers to say, "Hey, reach out to your legislators. You let them know how you feel, because now those legislators are going to have a direct impact on what may or may not happen here in the future." So, I, how did you kind of come up with this, um, you know, this tactic to reach out to people? Um, to engage them um, in, in reaching out to people in Congress who are ultimately now going to be uh, at the end of making this decision. So let me, I'll, I'll, I'll take the lead on this one. So we've, we've been very sure. active and very engaged in D.C. Uh, we're also active in the states, although through proxies in the states, through some of our trade groups, we're not actively lobbying states ourselves. Uh, Dr. Swift has spoken in several uh, state task force listening sessions. Uh, in DC, we're members of the Natural uh, Products Association, the NPA, and through the NPA and through our membership with the U.S. Hemp Roundtable, we have been in DC probably two to three times a year for the last, call it three years, let's say. Um, so we are being active there. We have recently come to the conclusion, and with the FDA's announcement, we have come to the conclusion that the public through a campaign of, of informing them that their access is being restricted to dietary supplements. Uh, and it's not just CBD, although that's what our company does. I consider CBD to sort of be the tip of the spear in that the FDA is taking liberties with our ingredient, but they've been taking liberties with several other ingredients recently as well. Um, and not to sidetrack from CBD, but the NAC decision a year ago and the recent NMN decision, all sort of smack of FDA overreach uh, and broad interpretation of statutes that don't really say what the FDA says they do. Uh, with that said, the recent efforts, uh, we, we are involved in a letter writing campaign. There are several uh, Congress people who are actively engaged in calling the FDA to task. Uh, some of that has been made public. Some of it will be coming to light in the next month or so. We've shared our toxicity data, very comprehensive portfolio uh, with several senators' offices. We've spoken to the Help Committee. We've spoken to Energy and Commerce. Uh, this same data <clears throat> is accepted in Europe from their Food Standards Agency and in the UK from their Food Safety Agency. 
and we you know sort of jokingly say you know are the are the rats speaking in in silly accents and driving on the right hand side of the road because apparently our data is good enough in, in Europe. Um, all of that comes around to say that there is now a greater need to educate the public, to have the public right there, Congress people. Uh, we also think that given that it's an election cycle coming up, there's a debt ceiling issue. We've got Ukraine. There's lots of issues that take precedence over dietary supplements. Let's be honest, we're, we are not as important as those items. However, uh, we do need Congress to act, and therefore we need to be moving both the public in a grassroots campaign and through active lobby with us and some of the other leading companies to, to get something done. Otherwise, we're going to be sitting here for another several years. Sybil, how about you? What are your thoughts about that? I, I echo what Lance said. I think that the more opportunities you have to inform not only your customers, but their constituents and to utilize those, that large number of, of voices, you know, you start getting people to understand the, the landscape, to understand what it is that's being taken away. I think that they help to elevate this particular issue to, you know, whomever's representing them, um, whether it be in the House or in the Senate, so that the, the their representatives and senators understand exactly how important this issue is to their constituents, right? So whether it be from actual legislation or some other path, I think they'll be more open to listening if, if we can engage from a number of different fronts. Absolutely. Yeah. Engage those customers. Yeah, you mentioned you're disappointed and you're certainly not alone. All right. But let's talk about how you're dealing with it. Uh, you're doing more than just shrugging your shoulders. And at MNC Communications, we're always looking at things that are challenges and really looking at them, at them as opportunities. So is this maybe a way to engage with customers, maybe in a different way? Is there an opportunity here to build their trust, increase their loyalty to your company, CBDMD? So do you mind if I, I start with this one? So this, this is going to be the, the legal analysis is that the FDA's position makes it very difficult for us to message our customers in the way we would like. Typically in the dietary supplement space, what happens is there's an ingredient. And in this case, CBD is a commodity ingredient. It's, it's not special in any way. It's not proprietary. It's not patented. So you have an ingredient. And in order for your ingredient to stand out in the marketplace, you go do clinical studies and you prove what it does. There's something called a structure function claim, which I'm sure many of your listeners are aware of. Right now, CBDMD has conducted a human clinical trial, double blind placebo, IRB registered. I mean, a, a very legitimate, uh, a drug company would conduct a similar study to do an exploratory study to find out sort of what they want to do. Uh, we've done a dog study uh, with Colorado State University. The human clinical was with uh, the University of South Carolina. These are all very legitimate studies where we did achieve statistical significance and proved that our products have functional benefits. Because of the FDA's position, we are precluded from talking about it. So the opportunities are there for companies like ours. There's a handful of companies who are willing to do this. And, and to be honest, and I don't want to you know, disparage any CBD companies out there. But most CBD companies, and we've talked to a lot of them, saw an opportunity. And I'm not even saying their products are good or bad. They saw an opportunity. They entered the market. They did not do the requisite uh, toxicity studies. They did not do the requisite clinical studies to, to study structure function claims. The problem is those companies are allowed to flourish in this environment. 
the opportunity to message our consumers about the FDA's position is probably, uh, it, it's come to a head now because of what the FDA did. So there is an opportunity there, but we've always prided ourselves on being an industry leader in, in science, regulatory compliance, by way of example, very boring things, but our labels are compliant in all 50 states. The Many of the products out there don't have the, the correct state warnings on them. They're not following the labeling rules. And so the product in the bottle might be fine, but it's not compliant. And so the, the issue we have is that we're, we are precluded from the opportunities that we should have through the FDA's action. So I really don't view this as an opportunity. It's more of an opportunity for lower quality companies, fly-by-night companies to, to get away with selling products without following the rules. And, and that bothers us given the amount of money we've invested and the dedication we have to science and quality products. That's really interesting. So let me ask you, so, I, so I'm clear, there's no way that you could um, message your um, customers and say, Congress needs to hear from you if if you're interested in getting this industry regulated, something yeah, of that nature. Is that, that not appropriate or that is appropriate? No, it's that's that's sort of what I said has come to a head in, in that regard. Right. We've done some campaigns before, uh, you know, some some surveys or some uh, sign this petition campaigns. One of the larger problems with the consumer products company is you really have to walk a fine line with being political and ask people to sign yes. things. It's a it's a it's a great cause. Customers, CBD customers are typically well educated. They're required to do their own research. Right. So it's, it's a good uh, customer population to do that. And yes, that opportunity is there, but then you're sending out, right? You're, you're sending customers a request to write a letter to their Senator. And now you're sort of crossing, potentially crossing a line. And a lot of customers might just say, you know what? I don't, I don't want my uh, dietary supplement company to be political. So you run the risk of losing customers. So it's, it's a very fine line you know, for Liz, that reason. Yeah. Uh, and Sybil can speak more to this. For that reason, we've identified several trade groups out there in the right. dietary supplement space that are very active on the consumer <clears throat> side, have giant databases, and they message people about access, about restrictions. And so we're going to work through third parties to do that. We think that that's probably a better way to do it. Okay. Sybil, that's interesting. So do you, do you think that I, I totally get how you're walking the fine line here, um, especially in the, the current political climate. Um, do you think that then it is an opportunity to build customer loyalty specifically to CBDMD, or is this, we just got to get this done so that we can then go forward and really start doing the work that will build that customer loyalty? So I think every opportunity that we have, every chance that we have to speak to our customers in a way, and it's not just marketing our product, right? Okay. It's to explain to them what we do to them and what we can do for them and what we're bringing to them. Um, Lance was kind of, he was suggesting and, and describing in a way, as of right now, the current regulations are set such that if you don't want to be at risk of a warning letter, have a product, take this, trust me, it works. I can't really tell you what it does. <laughs> I'm going to use some words. It'll make you feel better. Just trust me. And, and that's really where we're at right now. And anyone can go out there and do that. So what we're doing is, is taking this space that's now very apparent between what the agency is saying. And, and look, they're messaging about supplements and CBD in very similar ways. Consumers, supplements are dangerous. Consumers, CBD is dangerous. 
they're speaking about the industry that they regulate as though it is a massive wild west and everything out there is a concern. They're not presenting things in terms of facts. And, you know, there are some bad players in every industry. They're going to be bad players where people who see this white space in a gray area and they run with it, right? It happens. It happens everywhere. So I think right now this is our opportunity to really message to our customers and, and most CBD users about what the product can do so that they can discern what it can't and explaining to them some of the lines between what a supplement is and a drug is, which the agency really is not doing a good job of. They're just calling everything bad actors and everyone bad actors and, and suggesting that it can harm you. So it, it's an opportunity for us not only to explain to people as his Lance has done a really good job of saying, you know, the access and, and what it is that they could be losing. Because um, I don't think people understand it quite like that. They don't understand the depth and the breadth of the issue as it stands. It also gives us an opportunity to help them provide them with education that we've supported. You know, Lance described all of our, our safety studies and our clinical studies so well. We can speak to our products in a very educated and informed manner and tell our customers what they do. We can also, as, as we're, you know, considering some of the best ways to do this without throwing shade on other people, but saying this is, here are some of the things that we can't say. And so messaging to customers about the lines between supplements and drugs and what supplements can do for you. I, I think that's something else that we can consider how to start implementing and messaging. That's fascinating. And, and, and the messaging is so important, but yet you really are in this almost catch-22 situation, which is very frustrating. So um, here at MNC, you know, we're all former journalists and that experience really helps us prepare our clients to take advantage of just about every media opportunity that comes their way because we want to position them in the, as industry leaders and experts, just like the two of you are, and um, people who can give really great interviews. And we call that insider media relations. So with that, uh, you were one of the first companies that national media interviewed when this decision came down. So uh, I'm curious, you know, what have you done to build those relationships? Because you don't get that phone call by mistake. You know, what work have you put in to establish relationships with journalists in the industry um, and in national media so that you're top of mind when something like this happens? So I think it's a, a several pronged approach. One, you don't want to draw attention to your company if you're not actually doing the right things. And so first and foremost, build the base. Make sure that you stand on a very, a very well-supported foundation. You have all of your compliance in check, your, your quality, the manufacturing documentation, the right certifications. You have done the safety work. You've done the efficacy work at that point. It's okay if you draw attention to your brand. It's, it's a good thing, right? You, you want people to seek you out. Then it's about communicating it. And how do you break it down into consumable chunks that's very dense material but you make it understandable and relatable on a customer level. Um, I think those, those are the key tenets that are first and foremost, you know, build the base, do the work. And then in terms of messaging, you can't be shy, right? You can't be afraid of drawing eyes to you and your business and your organization, know the material, know your space, know it well. Our experience so far with the media has been quite good in that we reach out. I mean, between Lance and myself, we reach out to people. I believe it was Lance that actually reached out to the Wall Street Journal first after the interview with the, with Dr. Woodcock and suggested that, you know, hey, that's that's an interesting take. If you'd like to hear the other side of the story from someone who's being regulated by this this group, talk to us. And then you present facts. It's it's informed opinions, but it's it's facts. And if you present them in a reputable and you know easily understandable, consumable way you start to develop that dialogue and that rapport. 
let me, I, I'd like to add something and this is a, it's a shameless plug for our company. We have, we have Sybil. And when, when you have somebody like, like Dr. Swift, who spent almost six years in the office of dietary supplement programs, who built several of their programs, the, the FDA just put an ingredient list out yesterday. I'm not sure if you guys have seen it yet or not. It's like, it's like 20 ingredients. And I was going through the list with Sybil and you know, she's basically going, I worked on that one. I worked on that one. I did that. I did that. When you have somebody as credible as Sybil, it, it makes it easier. And, and that's, it's, a, it's self-promotion because nobody else has somebody like Sybil who has that experience. There's a handful of companies that I would say are, are very legitimate. They have good science. They're, they're investing. And this is not a cheap thing. And we, I, again, you go back to what it takes to be a dietary supplement company. It takes a million dollars to do a safety study. And if you don't have a million dollars to do a safety study, you probably should not be bringing new ingredients to market. You can go buy an ingredient from an ingredient supplier that has, has spent the money. You can ride the clinical studies of that ingredient supplier. And, and that's when you get into the branded ingredient space. And there's many high quality branded ingredient providers out there. We work with several of them for our functional products. But if you don't have a million dollars to do a safety study, your ingredient is not proven to be safe if it's a new ingredient. And so having somebody like Dr. Swift, being able to do those studies and then being willing to talk to people about it in both trade group settings. Uh, Sybil has, has, is on several working groups of very large trade organizations. We're not on their board, so you don't even know we're there. Uh, we're working with GRMA, which is the Grocery and Retailer Manufacturing Association. We're helping them set standards. All of those things build your credibility. And when somebody wants to come ask a question, they look to a credible person. And so part of that credibility is built from within but you also have to start advocating in a very uh, intelligent way for what you're doing. And it's not about your company. I say it's a shameless self-promotion because we have Sybil. Sybil is CBDMD, she's our chief science officer. But there's a handful of companies out there that have high quality scientists, their formulations are good, they're GMP qualified, or GMP you know, qualified by a third party, not just by themselves. Um, those are the sorts of things that allow you to reach out to media and building good relationships with companies like yours. There's a handful of PR companies out there and really paying attention to the trades, who's writing the articles and building your relationships with those people as an expert. That is going to lead you, whoever you are, to being able to communicate as an expert and then people will pay attention. When I reached out to the Wall Street Journal, I'm the one who did it. I used Sybil's name. Right. I said, look, we're experts. We have Dr. Sybil Swift. She can provide you context just so happens that I also provided context because they had other questions. That's how you build that rapport with media. So to use Sybil's words, you've built the base already. You've checked all the boxes to say, okay, we're doing all of these things. So we feel comfortable enough to reach out to media, but why do you reach out to media? Is it, is it something that you're trying to do to move the needle for regulation? Is it something to do to build customers and get your name out there as a company? You know, at the core, at the heart of it, why is it important for you to outreach to media? And Sybil, I think this is a, you sound like the media guru, so I'll, I'll toss this over to you. <laughs> That's frightening. Um, no, it's, it's <laughs> if you only rely upon one method of communication with your customers, I, I don't think that your message really resonates. And one of the things that we really 
pride ourselves on here at CBDMD is that that we care. And so we're not just going to send marketing emails and marketing messages. I, I think it's also important to reach your customers on a number of different levels and through different communication venues um, and modes. We've got a few that are available to us, um, but but we've had conversations about this in the last couple of weeks. A lot of them are very close, and Lance can speak to this directly in terms of our our efforts to get onto national platforms and, and to get onto television networks and what have you. So you only have so many methods to reach your customer and make sure that your, your message resonates. And so I think that any company that is actively building a brand and wants their customers to understand the multitude of different things that they do, you use all of your tools. Yeah, I, I, in this particular area as well, I'd like to add that there is a counter programming element to it because I would say 50 to 75% of the media articles on this topic are, are just flat out wrong. They're, they're not even close. Yeah. Um, you have misreporting, you have hearsay reporting, you have parroting, you have all, you know, all of the, you're, you're all journalists, you have all of the sort of journalistic uh, bad actors out there. Uh, the lazy journalists who, who you know, read a headline and then write an article, but you also have the FDA. And, and I want to be very clear about this. The FDA is being disingenuous and misrepresenting the facts to the public. And when that is happening, the only way to get that out there is to go out to the media, to the journalists that are knowledgeable on the subject, and there are a handful of them, the trade press for your industry. In this case, there's a handful of dietary supplement trade press out there, the Wall Street Journal. And you have to counter program. We, we just listened to a podcast last week, uh, Norman Birnbaum was on it. He's the, I think he's a, an advisor to the cannabis center or the, or the, what they're trying to call a cannabis center. And from all, from all evidence that we have, and we haven't talked to him directly, good guy has his heart in the right place. He's trying to do the right thing. But some of the statements he made were uh, to politely put it incorrect. And so we're looking at the transcript of that and we're going to, we're going to sort of do an editorial on the transcript. Companies need to be active in that. And this and this is where I'm circling back to your media comment. This is how the media can be utilized to message the public. And the third party is the media, right? The filter is the media and, and say what you want. If you're with the right person who's writing the right article and can present the facts, like Sybil said, you have to take complicated facts or maybe not complicated, but facts people don't think about normally and present them in a way that makes it easy to digest. That is often that often requires an intermediary or a media consultant or a media expert to, to help do that yeah it's a lot of work i mean you 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 gave us a couple of tips and essentially for companies that are wanting to uh, do outreach with media don't be shy as sybil said and they rely on those multiple platforms i'm curious how much time do you devote to that um effort of media outreach with given, especially given how muddy the waters waters are, more than we want. Yeah, you're spending <laughs> yeah. more time on it than you wish. A lot more than we want. And and we was, yeah, we wear multiple hats around here, and you know when you're when you're trying to do all the work you need to do in a day and be nimble, it it takes time, right? And we're no no company in this space, with the exception of potentially Charlotte's Web, because they've been around a long time and and they have some investment behind them from some large companies has the resources to, to have, you know, PR departments within them. So now again, you have to 
reach out to a third party resource so that you can be efficient in your messaging. Um, it's a full-time job, you know, yeah. in, in and amongst the other jobs we have to do. Yeah. Sybil, you were, you were going to add to that. What, what were you going to say? Nope. I think that was perfect. That was it? Okay. <laughs> it, so it's important, but it is time consuming at, at present. It, it, yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. Otherwise, otherwise the other person's message gets out there. Right. And this is the biggest issue we have. I'm going to keep hitting the FDA. The biggest issue we have with the FDA is the public looks to the FDA as an expert. And if the FDA says something, people assume it to be yeah. true. And it is in the dietary supplement and food space, almost never true. And I, I mean, look, I'll, I'll say it, I'll say it to them. I've said it in, in seminars and podcasts. The FDA needs to remove the word food and they need to be the drug agency. And there's a movement right now to either stand up a food safety agency like they have in Europe, put experts in. Everybody at the FDA has drug experience and, and I trust our FDA as, as much as I can as a public health agency in the drug space. They, they do a good job there. On the food side, I think they're sorely lacking in resources. I think they're sorely lacking in expertise. And I think Sybil can go into this in a little more detail if anybody's interested, but the people at the FDA don't have industry experience. And a lot of the food people are drug people or, or not qualified to do food. And so we are in a situation where we have to use the media or else everybody's gonna see what the FDA says. And like Sybil said, CBD is dangerous. No, it's not. And we, we, we've proven it. And in Europe, we're the only company right now who's under active risk assessment by the food safety agency. They're looking at the data that proves it's safe, right? Like we've proven it, but the FDA says it's not safe. That's a problem in this country. It's a big problem and it's bigger than CBD. Well, CBD business owners are constantly on the, the lookout for ways to strengthen their business and weather threats to their reputation and their bottom line. And it's something that we help uh, them do. We help them find the opportunity in every challenge, even as a challenge as daunting as this one. Uh, we help them polish their reputations and prepare for the unexpected. And we call that building a resilient CBD brand. So um, the big question here is what in the world do you think is going to happen in 2023? Are we going to see something finally with CBD regulation? So you want you want to you want to coordinate the no, Sybil? <laughs> uh, no, we're we're not. Um, the we there's plenty of interest. As as we said earlier, we're active on the hill. We we just had a talk with another staffer a couple of days ago. Uh, there's interest in doing something, but the political climate and sort of the, the way the sausage is made on the Hill, we don't think that anything is going to happen. Not because people don't want to, because it's not going to be a topic that is going to be important enough in and amongst the other topics. And we sort of figure if nothing happens in the next three to four months, we're, we're probably looking at other alternatives, including potentially uh, a legal action against the FDA so we can take it out of the FDA's hands and, and put it in to the hands of a judge. So these options are all on the table, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's a big no, not because there's not interest though. There's, there's a lot of interest. There's bipartisan support. Nobody thinks it's a bad idea. That doesn't mean it's going to get done in Washington. So there's, yeah. there's no omnibus bills that are coming up where you think that it could be slid into the bill. The, uh, I think there's two or three, um, the there are issues it, it, that's an excellent question and it, it shows a sophistication and understanding what's going on the the problem with doing it in omnibus bills is you got to trade something for something else right. and so 
They, mm-hmm. I think there's three so bills. Maybe we can get a lot of product together. No, I'm only kidding. So. Yeah. <laughs> We're sending a lot of CBD to DC. <laughs> so, um, there you go. Yeah. It's, it's just the, the op, there's a couple opportunities, but they don't, they don't seem like they're going to be viable, but we're trying. And in fact, that was that was what the conversation with the staffer was the other day is we were identifying the bills and the sponsors and, and who would be amenable to sliding it in. But then you're playing politics and, yeah. and you, you just you can't predict that right now. That's true. No, Absolutely. It's always unpredictable. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're not the first that we've heard from that said, yeah, I don't think anything's going to happen <laughs> in 2023. So we were not surprised by your answer there. But you alluded to a couple of things, talking about working maybe with some uh, politicians and also legal action. Are those some uh, possibilities um, if we're looking for a way to push this forward finally? What, yeah, what is absolutely. And doing? Yeah, absolutely. The, the, going back to there's a lot of interest on the Hill. We've talked to a lot of people. We're focusing on the committees where that, you know something will happen, uh, energy and commerce on the House side and health committee on, on the Senate side. And there is interest. Uh, the problem then becomes, you know, getting it to the floor, getting it through committee. And that, that's all politics. The other option, if we don't have any any movement in the next probably three to four months, would be a, a legal action against the FDA, probably under the Administrative Procedures Act. But it's it's looking to put the FDA on the spot in front of a judge have the Justice Department come in and actually start looking at some of the statements the FDA's made and moving towards um, a fact-based analysis of the situation and what's going on. Uh, that's always a risk as well. But when there's no other options, and, and the drug drug companies do this, food companies do this, it's not, it's not unknown. I think Pfizer sued the FDA several times last year, and Pfizer and the FDA have, have a very nice relationship with each other. So it's not like that. It's not, it's not taking the FDA to task other than just asking a court to look at what they're doing and make them do their jobs. That's really what it comes down to. So we think it's, we think it's a viable option. And it, it also uh, reads on several of the other things that are going on right now. NAC filed a lawsuit that came to a favorable resolution before trial NMN is kind of in a similar situation and, and what's next, right? Sybil likes to say, I think Sybil, the day that the FDA uh, announced NMN no longer uh, was a dietary ingredient, that morning Sybil had told three or four people she was wondering what the next ingredient was going to be. And, and then it dropped that afternoon. We were, we were at a trade show. And so it's, there's more to come. We just, we don't know what it is. I think that's where we are. It's unfortunate, but that's where we are when the, when the agency is they're putting people's lives at risk by not making a decision and they're leaving it up to the states uh, and as well-intentioned as the states are, they don't have a, a cadre of scientists to look at data. Uh, they, they have administrators and politicians trying to pass laws related to health and it's not always a good idea. You know, the MPA brought up this um, legal action as a possibility as well. My comment or my question is how long does something like that take? Um, are, is that years um, or is that, Maybe because it's now it's presented to them, they don't even want to go to court, so they're going to start moving much faster. What do you think? Uh, if you and, look, and at how it, is your crystal ball today? Yeah, my crystal ball. <laughs> I, I will tell you exactly what's going to happen. Um, no, there, look, there's no way to know if you look if you look at a history of dietary supplement actions. Uh, some of them went to full decision. I think the facts in some of those were worse than our facts. Mm-hmm. The recent NMN or the recent NAC matter, uh, I think 
is probably a good guidepost where the FDA wrote very extensive enforcement discretion. And this is what I've been saying the whole time. It's not about a lawsuit. It's not about congressional action. It's about being able to sell our products on Amazon. Right. That, that's really, and I use Amazon as a catch-all for large retail. Right. No large retail will touch ingestible CBD products because the FDA has not taken a stand on their legality. There's a bunch of hyperbole. There's a bunch of statements. There's zero enforcement actions on the part of the FDA. There's a bunch of warning letters with no follow-up enforcement. So realistically, the FDA is tacitly allowing these products on the market. That allows a proliferation of, of gray market, of bad actors, of people who don't do the right science, who falsify certificates of analysis, all sorts of things, right? A legal action designed to get the FDA to agree to some recognition of this ingredient. They don't have to make it a legal food. A recognition that allows those large retailers to now engage with companies like ours where we can prove that our products are safe, where we can prove that we've done human clinicals. That is probably 12 to 18 months before you get there. And that is that is a uh, you don't usually litigate for a settlement like I'm a lawyer and you, you litigate to win. But in this case, if you can get the FDA to agree to publish guidelines that retailers can use, I think that's a win. And that's what happened in the NAC case recently. So while we're in this limbo time, is there any silver lining to the delay? I mean, is there anything that that companies could take advantage of now while they're waiting? I, I think the silver lining applies to companies who maybe are not able or willing to follow the rules. The silver, the silver lining is for the bad actors, uh, because oh. to be quite honest, that until we can bring this information to the public, educate our consumers on the benefits, show them what these products actually do. There is no silver lining. It's just a gray market. So I think the silver lining is not for companies like ours, unfortunately. Regulation. A lot of people are concerned. They're, you know, what, what can FDA come out with? But we see this as it's, it's very cut and dry for companies who have built that base. You know, let's bring it back to where we started at the beginning of this podcast. If you've built the base, you've invested a significant amount of money in demonstrating that your product is safe and efficacious for your customers. So at the end of the day, regulations would make that investment. It, it would give us the return on it, right? And it would allow us to speak to our customers in a way that's meaningful. It also ensures that people don't get hurt. And so we're, as Lance said, you know, we're considering the litigation. We're not asking for just tacit approval or a wide open door. We're asking for FDA to take those tools that they've been using for new dietary ingredient reviews for 30 years. <laughs> it's almost 30 years, right? Um, and actually apply them to this particular botanical ingredient. Yes, you've got your quality documentation. Check. You've gone through a reputable third party, you know, to ensure that that your you know quality documentation is accurate and appropriate. Check. You can demonstrate that your product and ingredient is safe based upon the way that you manufacture the product and, and extract the ingredient. Check. And for you to talk about it, you've gone through the process as Lance has described for a structure function claim notification. You've done the safe, the science. You've done clinical studies, um, and now you can speak about it to your to customers. We're looking for that door to be open and someone to be checking those boxes. That would be great. Um, and so I, I think everyone stands to benefit from a well-regulated market. Customers are safe. They can pursue ingredients that are efficacious, that are not at a drug level, that don't have the effects of drugs because they're not supposed to. 
I mean, that's that's the fun thing about supplements that I think FDA is, is misrepresenting in this entire space. You eat a supplement because it has a greater benefit than consuming that same thing in food. Is the benefit as much as a drug? No, it's not supposed to be. That would that's not appropriate for the standard or you know for the regulations. Um, so that that's really what we're looking for. And until then, as Lance said, there this, there is no silver lining. We're artificially limited at our at the level of sales that are. We have barriers for entry in terms of communication and barriers for entry in terms of large retail organizations. So at the end of the day. No, we, we don't see this as anyone standing to benefit necessarily in this interim period. Absolutely. If you don't know the rules of the game, it's really hard to play it. I mean, that's the bottom line, right? Right. Yeah. Well, what a fabulous interview. Thank you so much to both of you, Dr. Sybil Swift and Lance Blundell from CBM, CBDMD. We are thrilled that you joined us and, um, and took the time. And this was a great discussion. So thank you both. Yes. Thanks for time. Thank Thanks, you. Man. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Wow, they were great, weren't they? I mean, my goodness gracious. There is so much information in there. I have this list of notes that with takeaways. I, mean, <laughs> I, it's, I was running too. out of paper here. I anyway, know. it was great. Um, I thought um, that when they were talking about, you know, customer loyalty and and how, you know, taking messages and putting them in bite-sized chunks to get them so people understand them. But at the same time, you're so limited in what you can say at this point. It was very interesting, but certainly, you know, when you're out there and people see that you're talking about this and you're really working so hard um, on the back end to make sure people are safe, that's got to help with customer loyalty. It does. And I, and you could see how they have flourished uh, under with that insider media relations mindset that they have, that even though they're probably spending a lot more time on this than they, than they want, they are dedicated to to what they're doing, and so they're reaching out to the media, actually educating some of those reporters, right? Because we, ha- we, as they mentioned, we have some that maybe don't know the full story. Right. The things that stuck with me: is build that base, don't be shy. And I, I think that's a strong message for other companies who think, "Gosh, I'm so swamped with day to day," but it's important. It does help, and it does work. And I think lastly, into, you know, when you're talking about what happens next, right? Um, It's fascinating to hear that on both sides of the aisle, and we've heard this time and again, that there's interest in getting this done. But the political red tape just continues to be in the way because there's not, um, it's not an important enough issue. And Lance brought it up compared to otherworldly issues like the debt ceiling, the war in Ukraine, other things that are happening. Um, that are um, taking up the time of our legislatures. So I, I thought that was really fascinating. It yeah, is. It's we, we have an industry that says, please, we'd like some regulation, and they're not getting it. I mean, <laughs> most people are like, hey, we'll look if we can skirt by and get away with it. The, this, the, the, the dedicated players in this one want the regulation. They want that, that, that you know, master playbook. They absolutely do. And, and I really hope that, you know, if, if when CBD is tied to a, a huge issue that they're dealing with, such as opioids, and we know that clinical trial is going on right now where they're, where they're seeing if there's a correlation in, in how CBD can help patients um, and get them off of the opioids, 
boy, that I think that that will push things forward as well. But this was this was great, and I I'm thrilled that we had our our special guests, Dr. Sybil yes. Swift and Lance Blundell from CBDMD. They joined us on the Move the Stairs podcast. Um, you know, every week we try and bring great guests, but this was an especially great one, and I'm I'm thrilled that we got to talk to them today. So I hope that you enjoyed it as much as we did, and we look forward to our next Move the Stairs podcast. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you again for listening to the Move the Stairs podcast. You may be wondering where the phrase Move the Stairs comes from. It's my life's mantra and MNC's commitment to our clients. It's a nod to a defining moment in my television news career. You know, in news, you have to be first with the story. No excuses. And one night, I had to get the first TV news interview with a senatorial candidate after he accepted the nomination on stage. I noticed the stairs leading off the stage were taking the candidate directly to my competitors. But what could I do? So I looked around, and I noticed the stairs were on wheels. I walked over and bolted the stairs and moved them so the candidate walked off the stage right to my team first. At MNC Communications, our years in the media taught us there's always a way to move the stairs to make the best possible outcome happen for our clients.